Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 243 of Nintendo Power Block, where today we will be discussing do we spend too much on video games in our dock mode? But before we get to all of that, let me introduce you to the guys sitting next to me. First up, we have our producer and the man who can fight Rathalos blindfolded, Mr. Jacob Galatrad. What's going on, everybody? Oh man, what a like that livened my mood quite <laughs> mood quite a bit. So true. Next up is our editor in chief and recent promotion at Zelda Dungeon copy editor, Mr. David Lasby. Hey everybody, happy to be here. And the man who has the biggest backlog in the history of gaming, our original host and the boss rush hype man himself, Mr. Eddie V. Hello, everybody. Woohoo! And very, very special guest, host of the Crossroads PlayStation podcast and Hunter for Hire, Mr. Laron Dawkins. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the show. And uh, hey, how's everybody's weekend going? Uh, before we My go, uh, who are you as the host? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Forgot to introduce myself. I'm Dan. <laughs> special host Short, today. sweet, simple, um, to the point. Eddie V is uh, letting me sit in for him since my birthday is coming up on the weekend. So this is his nice little gift to me. Oh, that's so that's so nice. Isn't Don't he worry. a guy? Don't worry. Dan will have something in in uh, his uh, email or his chat soon. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. You, well, you're going to buy him the DLC for Age of Calamity, aren't you? Oh, I oh, hope so. so. Oh. <laughs> that's it. I would cry. I don't even own the game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> David, how's your weekend? Oh, it was awesome. I watched Mortal Kombat, and it was the all the the gore fests. Just like you could ask for it. It was fantastic. I loved it. It brought me back, and uh, watched a little bit more um, Demon Slayer. Got to play some games. I had a great weekend. Ed uh yeah, recorded uh Watch Fresh podcast with some controversial opinions from him that like really uh blew up to a good discussion. Um, works uh picked up some gangs that are gonna be talking about in uh in uh Family Power, and yeah, and getting finalizing my story uh that I'm going to be sending to David real soon to see what he thinks, and I cannot wait for you guys to read it. It's going to be a real good one. Um, and then started on my uh my new blog with Game Pass and Nintendo. And it's gonna be a good a good a good one. Nice. Dude, Ed, I'm really excited to read I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to read your story. You usually have such passionate writing. Um I have <laughs> Laurent knows a little bit about this. I've had a crazy like three weeks uh past I think it's four oh weeks now. I'm kinda losing track of time. But this weekend I uh I was fixing my floor in my back room of my house it got water damaged and i was i spent all weekend tearing up the like the base tile and then tearing up the, the apparently the the people who built the house put two la layers of uh, plywood down so i tore up both of those and i've just been like hacking away at it bit by bit um oh. so i'm i'm exhausted but gaming wise, I uh, I played more Monster Hunter. I uh, Monster Hunter Rise, and I, I a friend of mine for his birthday bought me Monster Hunter World. So that was kind of weird. But <laughs> shout out to DB, he really wanted someone to play with, and so he was like, I know I know who will play this. 
uh, he bought amazing. he bought myself and two of two of our other friends, and we're all playing it now with him. So like it, it was very weird. Um, oh man, that's a nice friend. If you yeah. guys need some, if you guys need a fourth <laughs> for uh, Monster Hunter World, let me know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then other than that, we will, Laurent, we will. I don't know. I don't know if we if if it'll come up or not, but we'll we'll see. Because I think we already have the four of us, but we're trying to get our schedule set okay. up. But then other okay. than that, I'm finally playing something. So I'm, I'm like 230 hours into Monster Hunter Rise right now, and I just started Monster Hunter World again as well. But I'm finally playing non-Monster <laughs> Hunter games. I'm back to playing around in the world of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And Ooh. then I'm also going to be starting The Longing for some YouTube content. Uh, oh, that indie sweet. game that was announced. Uh, that's oh, I was like cartoon drawn, right? Where you wait 400 days, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And apparently I found uh, out that you, the game does have mechanics to like speed it up the 400 day wait time. But I was really, I'm kind of hoping to avoid that. Cause I, I want to do like a daily check-in for 400 days on YouTube. <laughs> I think that'd be really cool. But yeah, other than that, and then I think I played a little bit of Monster Hunter with Laurent last week as well. But I'm not, like I said, my weeks have all just been the same. Because I've just been working you wanna, nonstop. You want to play some Monster Hunter with me tonight? Possibly, man. I still have <laughs> I still have floor work to do, man. Okay, yeah, because uh, I I still have not bought that uh, that that Rachnikaduki yet. <laughs> I just, I've been doing all sorts of other stuff, but uh, my my weekend was kind of a blur. It went too quickly, to be honest with you. Uh, 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 did a bunch of uh, different podcast shows uh, over the weekend for uh, for Boss Rush. Uh, Ed and I were on uh, this uh, this this weekend's uh, uh, Boss Rush podcast, and uh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. It's always good hanging out with Ed, even though I, I swear, like compatriots at uh, at Boss Rush seem to think that we 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 argue like cats and dogs or something. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 morning when Air, when Dan and Logan had, even David I think had their popcorn ready for for us to go in. I'm just like, uh oh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with these people. They they think we don't like each other or something. <laughs> I mean, y'all don't, but <laughs> yeah. But my weekend, my weekend went way too fast. But I, I managed to definitely like pause, like just long enough to play some play some Monster Hunter because um because last week I I barely touched Monster Hunter. I it last week was crazy for me. And beyond that, you know, just uh just just living life, you know, that 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 thing, you know trying to play more games but always getting stuck not being able to play games <laughs> yeah i i had one of those weekends where i just kind of like uh, saturday i just tuned out for everything um i went on a big bike ride on friday which which felt great i ariel and i did about 33 miles um wow. jealous. yeah so jealous <laughs> So yeah, yeah. There's a trail that goes from my town to BWI Airport and back. So it's like there's no stops or anything. It's great. And then we kind of just hung out. We made sushi and uh, I played some baseball this weekend too, which was great. Oh, your pictures of your sushi is amazing, Dan. That was I loved the it. first time I made sushi. Really? It was, yeah, wait, it was like amazing. Wait, where were these pictures at? They're on the gram? <laughs> uh, no, pop on. Uh, Pop Thanks on our know. Discord channel, snack. Oh, it's on. Oh, it's on Discord. Okay. Okay. Oh, I guess, I guess. I guess. I guess that's where I should. I guess that's where I should put my glorious meal right. from last night at too. I'm already, like, look, I was already ready to get it all around. And be like, why do I know? I don't have this picture in my chat. But <laughs> the brown cook and. The thing about what LeBron cooking, we'll probably talk about the snack table. Is the way that you played it, LeBron, was perfect. 
you, I'm not good. At, I'm not good at plating. So thank that, you. I am not good at plating. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the thing I do with plating is I get it on my plate so I can eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, before we get started on everything, we'll do a quick housekeeping. Nintendo Power Block airs on Twitch on twitch.tv Boss Rush Games every Monday night at 8.30 EST. If you can't make it to our live show, you can find our podcast uploaded every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Please be sure to join our small but growing community on Twitter or Facebook at Nintendo Power Block, and you'll find our Discord link there where Laurent should check out the Snacktendo page. And if you like our show enough and want to discover a few more cool podcasts like ours, pop over over to our parent network's website www.bossrushgames to discover our network of podcasts and read some great articles. So, let's get into Snack Tendo. <laughs> <laughs> Since uh, we already kind of did, Jacob, kick it off. Um, let's see. So, I got to I kind of treated myself this weekend after after working tirelessly on my floor um and i got myself a little just a little one of the little packets of the dark chocolate kit kats because i love dark chocolate dark chocolate's actually my favorite i don't really like milk chocolate or white chocolate at all um so those were really good and then tonight i actually had um some just melt in your mouth roast beef um mm. with, with just that typical <laughs> that typical brown gravy and uh roasted potatoes and carrots and onions and mm. oh man i absolutely devoured that tonight um nice but other than that not a whole not a whole lot of snackage from me cool how about you Laron? uh well, I I might as well since I kind of like gave the preview of it. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, like I I basically made my whole roommates uh, uh, weekend because I, I made um I made the Thai style chicken wings that that I tend to talk about on different on different shows. Uh, made made that the fried chicken wings and I finally perfected my Belgian waffle recipe. Uh, I've been doing these waffles for a while, and something was off about it, and I figured it out. Like put like put like the smallest amount of baking powder into it <laughs> uh, but yeah uh you know what and i'm being chastised right now for not putting the picture in uh in snack tendo on the discord so i will do that <laughs> later this evening but yeah uh to tonight after this show wraps uh my roommate's mom uh vietnamese she sent home she sent home her wonderful homemade pho and i am ready Ah, oh, jealous, jealous, jealous. Can I please get pics? Please send me pics. I want to see pics. Okay, I just told you my plating sucks, so why would you... you you're gonna, I'm talking you're about gonna for want, me. You're going to want a picture of my reheated I, soup. I don't care. <laughs> send it to me personally. Snack TV don't have to get it. This is this is first-person exclusive content that I'll come for. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, well, I also had Belgian waffles this weekend. I, I made some strawberry Belgian waffles with a little bit of chocolate chips in there, and uh, that was great. But but the highlight of the week for me, my, my wife loves to cook, and lately she's been doing like a different region of the world each week. And so this last week was Ethiopian food, and oh, oh, nice. I, I couldn't even name the dishes, but it was like I felt like I ate like a king for you, all, uh, all week. Did you eat with your hands and use the like um, little bread mm -hmm. thing to pick it up? Yep. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it was like it was authentic Ethiopian food. I she she's part of this group that like collaborates with all the recipes and stuff and mm -hmm. oh my god, it was so good. It was great. Oh, nice, I'm so, nice. 
I'm so jealous. I wanted to, I want to know more about Ethiopian food. Was it like all it was vegan, right? Everything was yeah, vegan. Yeah, actually so it's some cultures have like a, a lot more vegan food just naturally and there's a mm. lot of vegan Ethiopian food that's just like incredible. Um so yeah, definitely we're I'm going to be checking out some Ethiopian restaurants in the area now for sure. Nice. Yeah, so in DC uh there's like a couple of Ethiopian restaurants that were right by us um, that we used to go to. And it's funny because they actually like used to throw a lot of lamb in to <laughs> just like random recipes to appease Westerners. Um, <laughs> you know, like Ethiopian Ethiopian food is really, really good, but I never felt full after eating it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but like man it's it's such an experience especially if you go to something authentic um but you know speaking of dc restaurants i actually had the pleasure of meeting um one of our boss rush writers uh blocks game reviews he was down oh, in nice. dc with his wife this weekend and i brought him over to a um to a ramen restaurant in chinatown oh, on boy. saturday for lunch so i had a nice show you ramen which i always go for and um they seemed to really enjoy it so that was great but uh ed you're the star of the snack tendo what'd you have so i um i had some ramen also uh beef ramen with the little fish thing in it uh with the thick broth it, it was so good i melted i was so happy that i was able to have it and it's literally authentic um was reading my e why the ass book wow <laughs> nice. ramen. it was so good uh but i got two reviews of people who follow me on uh on twitter on twitter um right now i have the chip ahoy's golden Ooh. candy chip um it just came out uh at my job so i think they just released it last week it's okay it really it still tastes like a chip a chip ahoy cookie i think the golden candy i can't get a flavor for it so i'm thinking it's like the oreos uh vanilla the oreos golden kind of cookies it kind of tastes a little bit like that um i definitely advise drink this with milk it tastes really good with milk, rather than just regular cherry. I mean Oreos going with it. Um, and then my last one that I had, um, I don't have it with me because I ate the whole bag. Uh, was <laughs> was the Kisses star, strawberry ice cream sundae, um, and uh, the texture is like pink, like the coloring is pink. And once you put it in and it just melts, it literally tastes like strawberry candy. I mean, strawberry ice cream. Oh, man. And the pieces in it have ice cream cone chips in it. So, like, the cone thing, it's wonderful. It's, it's limited edition. So, uh, this is this one is new. They have a birthday cake one um, that I might have to go back and try uh, and pick up. I keep thinking that we keep getting that one for the holidays. But I don't think we got it uh, for last holiday, so I'll just pick it up and give it a try. But this one, it's it's really really good. I do recommend it. Uh, getting it, and it's like they got a share bag of it, so you get a lot of you get a lot of in. Um, the next one I got to taste is the Cruncher Munch. Um, they got two new flavors. They got a cookie and cream and a fudge brownie Cruncher Munch. So uh, next Nintendo, I would tell you guys all about that. Um, the one last thing I, I I will be talking about also is called Mountain Dew SA. And they mix uh, the cherry. Yeah, they mix the cherry Mountain Dew with the white, white flavor Mountain Dew together. So it's <laughs> pink. 
and it <laughs> sounded like me when I was six years old, just mixing random yeah. sugar together to get <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like blasted a, sugar. Yeah. High. Isn't and, that and called a suicide about... where you do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this literally says do D E W dot S dot A. So it's a play on USA. And I'm like, what is this nonsense? And yeah, I will tell you guys all about it next week because I got to try it again with like ice in it because when I brought it, it was warm. And then I got to try it like straight cold and stuff. But um, all, be ready for those. All I'm going to say is, like, you just described it, and I'm not even diabetic, but I felt my blood sugar spike. <laughs> I I was curious, because I was just like, Cherry wants to do it. And of all places, I find this at a Dollar General. Like, I don't find it nowhere <laughs> That's else. perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the perfect place for people to, to, to contract diabetes. Yes. But that, shoot, that pineapple we, monster, that uh, pineapple uh, monster. But for the hot. record, Laurent, your co-host eats donuts and drinks Mountain Dew. We yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I give him, <laughs> and I give him all amounts of hell for it. <laughs> I, I think we need a weekly uh, snack tendo article from from Ed. I think that needs to be like a weekly piece. Oh man, uh, that'd be great. You want him to, you want him to horn in on Logan's, on Logan's territory? <laughs> Well, Logan told me that he wanted me to do it. <laughs> oh, well, 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 hey, hey, I, what, what, what are you waiting for then? They're just, they I, just share recipes back and forth, man, for like what there we go. they get. <laughs> yes. Well, LeBron got on me, I think, uh, when I had my hybrid warrior and I had that pizza and my uh, cold red Mountain Dew. I was just like, look, I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't really judge people's eating, but I judge people when they do ridiculous stuff what they're eating like for example <laughs> like 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 blueberry donuts and in, in, in a 20 ounce mountain dew is like come on man come Don't on knock man. It till you tried it man but hey that's what we're here for in it snack tendo but uh now we're just gonna get over to our game fact advance jacob let us know what we're in for yeah so hopefully this is something that we haven't talked about before this is more of a system fact advance um, most Nintendo fans are aware that if you hold the Z button while on one controller, while you boot up a GameCube, it'll go from the typical to like a very toy, almost kind of Banjo-Kazooie, um, sound when it's running around that GameCube logo. Uh, and then also if you hold all four controllers with the Z button down, it'll give you more of like a samurai style sound. Uh, it's a very it's a very well known thing, but something that might not be as known is that the switch actually kind of throws that back a little bit. I'm gonna try to get this on the the sound on the uh, microphone here, but so in handheld mode specifically, when you're at your startup screen, if you push in the left stick, so like as y'all know, you have to hit the A button and then hit the same button three times, any button three times. If you push in the left stick. Hopefully y'all heard that. Maybe yes, no. no. I didn't oh, hear it. it went, did, did it go like ooh? ooh. Yeah, it they, it makes noises. It makes different noises. Like instead of the typical click, which is that, uh, it's got it's got just different noises, and it's with both of the sticks and the ZL and ZR button. So let's see. Yeah. Oh, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Way. Not like a four. Yeah, yeah, and so. Instead of just like the that. typical click. 
Um, and I always, I always thought that was kind of neat. I like it when Nintendo throws back um, to their older consoles and like just little Easter eggs and stuff. And I thought that was appropriate since we just had that new Switch Lite color come out where everyone's like, oh, is it the Game Boy Advance and GameCube color? No, it's blue. No, it's purple. And I was like, well, the Switch does reference the GameCube kind of in another way. So <laughs> my mind is blown right now. I didn't yeah, know any is, of that. It's amazing. Really? It's, you did it? I, it's I, so I had a GameCube and everything. I I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. If you ever oh, yeah. if you ever hook a GameCube back up, hold the ZL button on the player one controller, and then again, there's an extra one if you have all four controllers held in, uh, it plugged in and hold Z, not ZL, just Z on all of them. It's like it goes like oh, and then the the noises are like, it's really funny. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's yeah. There, no way. There's a compilation of it on YouTube. Yeah, uh, people are doing it of GameCube startups. Mm -hmm. Oh my Genki, goodness, that's I awesome. swear. I swear the GameCube startup is probably the one, the best startup I've seen for video games still it, to this day. That one and the PlayStation 1 are like the most nostalgic. Yeah, the, all the older systems, because like my personal favorite is the, the either the Game Boy Advance, or but the Dreamcast startup, if anyone's ever booted up a yeah. Dreamcast where it does the circle, ding, 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 ding. It's so, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, what I like startup around? screens. What about me? Uh, yeah. in, all, in all seriousness, like, in all seriousness, like I actually like when those when those boot ups got simpler. Like PS2s was simple. I, I I loved it, especially if you had like a really loaded memory card in your in your in your slot. You see all the cubes stacked up. It looked like it looked like a top down of a cityscape and all that stuff. Mm. Like I loved how I, I I loved when it started getting simple because uh, PS2, PS3, uh, PS4 had one. And then it's and then it was gone. Like they didn't like a firmware update happened, and then you just turn your, your system on, and there's and just you see just the PlayStation Four words, and that's it. PS Five PS Five has a nice one. I I love it, but I, but my system's always in sleep mode, so I just mm -hmm. wake it up and it just does the abbreviated version of, of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, but I think my favorite one is PS Two. Um, <clears throat> Another great one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'll make myself the target to the audience. Like I really hated the GameCube startup. I I oh god, it you got hate my everything. Get him, get We're him on to the, the shield show. tonight. You're done. Yeah. You're done. You're done. <laughs> We're switching over to four man show. And it and, and, and in all honesty, as much as I love the Dreamcast, the Dreamcast one was it, it, it got on my nerves after a while. Like I mean, when it when, when I first got Dreamcast, it was awesome. <laughs> and then and then it was just I I just want to play my game. But you know what I did love. And it was actually pretty long. The Sega CDs. <laughs> the Sega oh, CDs uh, yeah. boot up. <laughs> I love that one. David, did you have a favorite one? What oh, yeah. No, nothing will ever beat the nostalgia of the Super Nintendo chime for me. Yeah. yeah. Every time I log into Super Nintendo Online, it's just like instant nostalgia. I love that they still play that when you yeah. log into those two apps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which that's – oh, another thing. If you have the if you have the SNES or NES controllers and you play those apps, they give you different noises as well. Oh, seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's oh, different. I'm there's like try that, retro. It's retro noises and stuff. So there's another reason to buy the NES, which are now oh, – well, we'll get to that. Like when it turns on, Jacob? Or yeah, well, when it turns on and when you're navigating the menu screen. Yeah, because yeah. I always use my retro controllers. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Sweet. Yeah, I like the um, – I, I grew up as a Sonic kid, so anytime I hear the Sega. <laughs> when when, when Game – sorry, one last thing for me. When GameCube came out, 
I got Fantasy Star Online for the GameCube because I loved it on the Dreamcast, and it made mm-hmm. me so upset that it didn't. It booted up the Sega logo, but they didn't say Sega, and so every time I booted that game, I would say it to myself. <laughs> so I was like, I want but, it. They need to the say thing it. About the 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 vocal chime came from the Sega Master System because mm-hmm. yeah, when Sega yeah. when the Sega Master System came out, it'd be like ooh. <laughs> and then they'll go into the game. Yeah. Dang, I'm so, such a historian. I had too many systems. <laughs> so before we wrap up, Jacob, just real quick, can you give us the buttons you have to press at, at what time? Oh, yes, yeah. So um, on the Switch, if you, when you, only in handheld mode, which is why it's not very specific, whenever you uh, hit the A button and you see the press the same button three times logo, you can either hit the left stick in, the right stick in, the ZR or the ZL button. And each of those will do a different and unique sound um, compared to the regular just A button click. Nice, nice. That's awesome. That blew my mind. Um, before we get into the family news, I just want to give a couple of quick shout outs. Um, thank you, Shane and Stephanie, for being on the podcast last week. You guys are great. Um, thanks to AK Munger on Discord. She gave us good feedback about last week's episode and especially loved Ed's quote, not today, Satan, when it came <laughs> to downloading a, <laughs> a batch. Uh. And, um, Thank you to Judaism on Apple Podcasts for giving us a five-star review. So, hey, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, Reviews are great. Come to our Discord. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, And we hope to hear from you soon. So, David, take it away for news. All right. Thanks, Dan. So we got a packed news schedule here. So our first story is Square Enix joins the growing list of companies making announcements at E3 2021. So this is from Brian over at NintendoEverything.com. Quote, CEO Yusuke Matsuda confirmed to Nikkei that the company is planning announcements for this year's E3. Naturally, he didn't elaborate as to what's in store. E3 2021 will take place between June 12th and June 15th. Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Bros. Games, and Coke Media are all confirmed for the show outside of Square Enix. So for our panel, and this certainly generated a lot of conversation this morning, uh, what are you hoping for from Square Enix? Conspicuously absent from this growing list are EA and Sony. Will this be a missed opportunity for these companies if they don't participate? So I want to start with Laurent on this one. I I suspect you might have something to say about this. What's your reaction to the news that uh, Square Enix joins and where are Sony and EA? Okay. Uh, well, with the Square Enix joining, I, I I feel like I feel like Square Enix was going to be like you know basically part of E3 anyway. So like when they initially came out with the first list of uh, people that were going of companies that were going to be uh, represented there, I was like, okay, Square Enix is not there, but I I was I'm pretty sure they were coming and things like that. Uh, EA is kind of surprising though that they're not that they're that they're absent from E3, given that E3 has been like a gold mine for for EA like over the years like i mean you know EA had such a big presence like they 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 used to have their own stage show and basically like a presser you know with other with other people or i mean with other um with with other well they had their own press and then they would wind up in other people's press releases because like certain systems would get like the marquee title like you know one year Xbox would have Madden the next year Sony would have Madden you know and it'd be like one of those floor things so i'm kind of surprised that you know EA hasn't really like 
stepped up yet, but that doesn't mean that they're not coming. Because I mean, as far as I can tell, like it's uh, it's it's still it's still open to anyone that wants to jump in last minute and things like that. Now, Sony, what I will say about Sony's been Sony's been doing this for a while now. Well, they they weren't one of the initial ones that stepped out of like stop doing pressers and having pre- uh, their presence at um at E3, but Sony seems to be more consistent about not being at at E3 and some of these big shows. Uh as a matter of fact, I don't think Sony even had a presence at Gamescom, which is another big one. No, they um, have the they they've been having so when they miss E3, they do Tokyo Game Show. Okay, well, Tokyo Game Show, yeah, but, but Tokyo Game Show is, you know, in their home territory. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, um, yeah that's, but but these but these ones on foreign soil, like Gamescom is in Germany. Uh, E3, of course, is in the United States, and some of these other ones, like they, like Sony, Sony has pulled out of them, and they've done their own thing, you know. They, they and and so like I'm still not surprised that Sony hasn't like you know put their name up on the list for E3. I'm I'm not really surprised. Sony, Sony to. You know, just like the other Japanese uh, publisher, like they they tend to march to the beat of their own drum. Yeah, the thing is, like, <laughs> the thing that blows my mind is like E3, especially as a digital event, is free advertisement right mm-hmm. now. Sony's still gonna put out a state of play, right? So mm-hmm. why not do it with the rest of the other companies? Because if you put your state of play out there and someone who's watching a Nintendo broadcast or a Ubisoft broadcast who doesn't usually play any Sony games, they see the state of play come on next, something might catch their eye that they wouldn't normally watch on a state of play the next week on a Thursday. So like in my eyes, you're wasting an opportunity to have eyes that don't usually watch your product watch it then so like if you don't have to pay money for it i don't i i only see cons to skipping a digital e3 event for sony square and all these people versus pros but hey that's just my opinion and you know, Laurent brings up a comparison to nintendo right marching to the beat of their own drum but nintendo's doing that the show right like nintendo's gonna have their direct there so it it seems like you know if that is sort of a valid comparison it it, i agree with dan that they're missing out on on the free advertising there jacob what about you do you have any expectations out of square enix or things that you're hoping for in this yeah i want to see kingdom hearts collection come to switch i'm sick and tired of it not being there (laughs) why is it not on the switch i know that's my question the switch seems like the perfect place for it to be if the witcher 3 can run on the switch even looking like hot garbage so can kingdom hearts 3 so just put it there. So they don't I don't care. Do that, I don't care if it looks like do garbage. Work. So I think that one might be had been a contractual uh, aspect with Square Enix because there's more games of the Kingdom Hearts series on Nintendo products than there is on Sony. Like Sony only has out of the main series, they only have four: uh, Wonder Three and uh, Birth by Sleep, where most of like the side games and stuff is on Nintendo. Uh, systems. So maybe that's why I agree with you, Jacob, though. Um, with it, I'm sorry to cut in. Uh, do you have any more to say before I go? Nothing, nothing oh. that's not gonna cause controversy. So, <laughs> so well, just, so, well, just hold on, just to add on to the, to the Kingdom Hearts thing, though, like you know, like Kingdom Hearts 3 is on PlayStation and Xbox. So, why is it not on Nintendo? That's why decided Especially, to dog us and give us Saga Frontier. Because I, I think, <laughs> right. I think, Dan's I think, got some rage about I, that. Yeah, I think they, because of that music game that they was making, and 
Probably. Jacob, I don't know. That's weird. Uh, did you let, let's get Jacob? But did you have any thoughts on Sony skipping out? I I have to I have to avoid this to avoid controversy and making this like an hour long topic. So no, please, are, please. are you sure well, we can speak. we can please ban speak. them from responding? Go, go ahead, <laughs> just give us your. Well, quick... okay. So here's 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 where I. Sony doesn't march to a beat of their own drum. Sony takes the drum from another player, then adds a hi hat. Um, I so I have not <laughs> respected EA Sony. Two ninety nine for it. <laughs> I have not respected Sony since my GameStop days when I worked at GameStop because I went to their I went to their press conference like they invited GameStop managers to their press conference about those Sony the PlayStation Move, and as a as a to learn more, me and my me and my other manager brought along the Nintendo Wii press conference, and I I kid you not, word for word, except for where it said like Nintendo specific branding and Sony specific branding, they had the exact same conference, and so I I Whoa. was like, we literally, and it, I feel bad about it because like full full stop, we got a free PS3 uh, and move <laughs> thing app for going. So like I feel bad about it, but I was just like I can't. See, we were having such a hard time not laughing while they were talking about it because it was. See, like we were I, I, I hate right you there. right now because I hate you right now because like I was an assistant manager for GameStop that year <laughs> that they got free PS3s, and then the next year I got promoted. <laughs> yeah, so I'm you sorry, should hate man. Sony even more. Yeah, you really should. But no, well, so like ever since then, it's been nonstop for them. Like every time they do something, I'm always like, yeah, but Microsoft and Xbox did that a while, or my Microsoft and Nintendo did that a little while ago. Like, and Xbox does this too, right? And Nintendo does this too. They all kind of cheat off of each other. But anytime anyone, for any of them, say like, Oh, well, they're, they're the beat of their own drum. Even Nintendo, Sony specifically hits like a chord for me because I'm like, yeah, but they stole the press conference. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, David, before uh, we leave, uh, can I just give my quick make it Make it quick edit and uh, don't stir up Leron or we'll no, never move no, no. it. It's, it's mostly about oh, the Square thing. It, no, it's mostly, it's mostly about the Square thing. So uh, just to remind everybody, Square Enix did do a presentation earlier in uh, this year. Um, I have a recap on it on Boss Rush. You guys can check it out. Um, they did say they was doing a second one later on in the year so this is probably the continuation of it um with it um, i hope this so, one i hope this one's better than, than that one they put out last so month I, oh so lord I, all right I, we're gonna we gotta I, move it on oh, but real, real quick ed um, and, and so they're probably for game wise, they probably show more of the Life is Strange games and for Spoken and probably a little bit more of the Tato stuff that they show. Um, so I'm I'm interested to those see those are your predictions. It, yeah, because that's what mm -hmm. that was the stuff that they showed because everything else was already out. So they may show some new stuff. Um, we'll definitely be looking at it. We might miss Boss Rush that day, uh, the podcast because it's at twelve o'clock um, that Saturday for their press conference. Okay. I think. Um, so we might well, be watching that. So. We love the passion. Um, so our next story, this is from Matt TM Kim out of IGN. The great Ace Attorney Chronicles officially announced for PS4, Switch, and PC. Quote, Capcom has announced that it is bringing The Great Ace Attorney and its sequel worldwide in a new collection called The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles bundles together 2015's The Great Ace Attorney and its 2017 sequel together in a single package that will be released on July 27, 2021 for PS4, Switch, PC, via Steam. Both games were previously Japan-exclusive 3DS games. So... 
Jacob, we'll start with you. What are your reactions to this news? Does this suggest that more previously Japan-only titles will be headed out west? Is this kind of a one-off thing? Where are you at with this news? Um, I think it would probably be more of a one-off thing. I, I know that the Great Ace Attorney fans are like really passionate about that series. I, I have the trilogy on Switch, and I've yet to play it, and I want to play it, but I... Um, I, I don't see this as being just like a, a standard move for all series and all stuff in that has been in, stuck in Japan. Um, but I do think it's like, I do think it's cool. Cause like, if you don't have something new, that's, that's when I want to see stuff come out. Right. If they don't have anything mm -hmm. new coming, reach into your back catalog and, and remaster, do bring something that hasn't been brought to the States, to Europe. Um, and, and kind of give, give people a little bit, of, of a, like a crumb of something because lord knows like we're a nintendo podcast kid icarus metroid um mm -hmm. there's so many series out there that have had nothing <laughs> right f-zero so i like, give people a crumb and so i can appreciate this but i don't think it's like an overall just everything's gonna start flooding in Laurent, we've talked in the past about uh, certain JRPGs uh, coming out west because of the demand for it out here. So there is mm -hmm. some precedence in the past of, you know, certain supply and demand in the west causing some of these Japan exclusives to come over. Do you see this with the Great Ace Attorney being connected to that in any way, or are we seeing any shifting policy by these companies? Um, I, I see it more of the um, of of the former and not so much the latter. I'm 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 in agreement with Jacob. I I feel like this may more or less be a, like a one-off thing, and it could just be they're they're just testing some things out, you know, and stuff like that, just to see how it goes. Uh, Capcom has Capcom has gotten very meticulous about what they will and will not release now. You know, from from their back from their back catalog, as you notice, they've slowed down on all the Street Fighter collections. You've noticed that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, they've gotten. Are you making a prediction there, Laron? <laughs> Uh, uh, no, actually, actually, no. Um, if anything, Capcom is really like they're they're really invested in like in like some of their some of their their blockbuster titles as mm -hmm. well as some of their new and upcoming uh, IPs and stuff like that. Uh, so um, so this right here, I think, is more of like just just a way to like to like to pad and you know like you know keep people keep people interested in the in the game, quote unquote, uh, more or less than just. They're gonna bring out their their old school catalog because I mean if they're gonna bring out their old school catalog I mean I as a as a cap a loyal Capcom fan I will start spending money <laughs> and I know that you're really passionate about this game uh, what was your reaction to the news and are there any other Japan only exclusives that you would like to see come on over yes so I was super excited for this game because we got uh, I've been uh, Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Wright fan since I brought it on 3D on the DS when it was in the bargain bin at GameStop for twenty dollars and it blew up everywhere, um, and so we everybody was expecting the game to come over originally for 3DS and Capcom to bring it. So now we all American and the West you finally get a chance to play this game, um, because you couldn't import it because the game wasn't going to be localized or anything. So I'm excited to finally play it. Now they just need to bring out the Ace Attorney connection uh, that I also have. Um, but they need to bring that in Miles Edgeworth too, because that's another Capcom game that they didn't bring out from Japan. Um, more exclusive stuff coming out for Japan, I would love to see. Um, but if I can't see it, because of we own the switch and it's region uh is region free which is now could get uh import japanese like um mm -hmm. 
like switch it over and be able to play that game. Like uh, Chemico, uh, Chemico, I think that's the name, was an indie game for five dollars. People were getting the eShop for Japan to play that game before it came here. So even if we don't get it, if we find it on the eShop and we could get eShop points to buy that game, we'll switch it over. But if it does come to the West, come on, Rainbow, uh, Captain Rainbow, Nintendo, I need that <laughs> game so bad. And go ahead, give me the Tinkle game because there are some games that Nintendo has um, has a release. Uh, we got the Femi, uh, the Femicom Detectives coming um, that I never knew of. So uh, I'm excited to see more of this. And if Capcom got some games that we've never got, bring it. Literally bring them. We as Nintendo fans are willing to buy it, um, you know, day one. So, and yeah, I, I'm looking forward to more. And I love that you're a Captain Rainbow fan. I love me some fat little Mac. Uh, I, I've been <laughs> wanted that game ever since I've seen it. Me too. And did you did you mention the Tingle games? Did it did I hear that correctly? Yes. Oh, so I I bought Tingle's <laughs> Rosie Ruby Land, and it's of course all in Japanese, and it won't work on my 3DS. Apparently, you have to have like a standard like DS for it to work, which mm-hmm. I'm super bummed about. So, yeah, I'd love to have that one come out. Um, all right, well, this next story is interesting. Leisure Suit Larry. Wet Dreams Dry Twice out on <laughs> Nintendo Switch next month. This is from Alex Seedhouse at NintendoInsider.com. Quote, Assemble Entertainment and Crazy Bunch have confirmed a release date for Leisure Suit Larry Wet Dreams Dry Twice on Nintendo Switch. The point-and-click adventure picks up after the events of the last game where the heartsick hero, Larry Laffer, was left stranded, ready to leave his single life behind. Wet Dreams Dry Twice was a big hit on the PC, and it's our pleasure to finally share the even cheekier adventures of Larry with console players, enthuses Assemble Entertainment CEO Stefan Marcinic. There's a charm to this series that keeps players coming back again and again. Larry's latest quest might be his most important of all. Leisure Suit Larry Wet Dreams Dry Twice will release at retail and on the Nintendo eShop for the Switch worldwide may 18th 2021 so for consideration here is there a market for adult games on switch does this clash with nintendo's family-friendly brand or does it prove that nintendo is more than it gets pigeonholed as uh ed what do you think about this okay so there is a place for it because we already have visual novels and other japanese games on here that they're not hentai games but they uh you know, they got the big boobs and they got, you know, the anime girls looking all, all sexy and stuff like that. Um, you know, kind of playful on that stuff. So I think with Luger Suit Larry coming on, if you don't know the history, um, this is kind of like the intro to uh, this for people to go back and like play some of those old games and really see some of the loot stuff that those games were about and everything. Um, it kind of does fit in with Nintendo's uh, Nintendo's um, way of how doing Switch because they said they they don't believe in censoring stuff now. Mm-hmm. You know they changed their focus to be like, hey, if you want to, when Nintendo is not censoring stuff and PlayStation is, that's a cool, that's that's a big <laughs> wide open question to be like, wait, what? 
you know, you thought it would be vice versa, but um, I think it's going to fit on the Switch. Uh, and we won't get more lewd games like this because that was kind of a genre uh, on the PC, like lewd adventures and stuff. Uh, I don't think we're going to get anything too sexy or AO and stuff, but if it's like really playful and at least the, uh, the you know, imagination up to you of what's going really going on, I think it's going to be a respectable place. Now, if, if it controls terribly, then you can rag on it and everything and just be like, okay, yeah, we know this was a good idea, but your game is still questionable content and not in the thematic way, <laughs> in the gameplay way. But I can see more stuff coming in like this. And also, there's just been a hit with PC games coming to Switch. So mm-hmm. if if PC games, are more, we're going to get more PC games coming to Switch, why not something like this? Laron, you've said on previous podcasts that you loved Nintendo, but then you grew up. Um, does this <laughs> does this make you have to walk that back a little bit? Is Nintendo not just the you know sort of kid system that sometimes you make it out to be, or is this does this prove that Nintendo's maybe a little bit more open? What do you think? And and to Ed's point there, why is it that Sony's censoring things and Nintendo's not? Uh, see when. Okay, well, let me answer the, the question about Nintendo and, and this game first. Uh, okay, first of all, I want to say that Nintendo has actually surprised me almost every turn with what they've done with the Switch. Like, I like this policy they have, like, I, I really applaud it because, I mean, in all seriousness, like, this is the, like, the stuff they were doing in the past is the reason why, like, I like I would say I, I outgrew Nintendo. Like, there's just basically, a, there was just basically a point where they were, they were putting down stuff that I was no longer interested in picking up. Of course, it was like a Metroid title, or the or the or like a really interesting Mario title, stuff like that. Of course, I would you know pick it up and things like that. But um, but you know, uh, like I said, like I kind of outgrew Nintendo and their brand. So you know, like it's been it's been refreshing to see games I thought I would never see on, <laughs> oh. on a Nintendo system with the Switch. Like for example, like Alien Resurrection is on this. I mean, Alien is, Isolation. Uh, Isolation, thank you. Resur- I just watched Resurrection the weekend. That's why. I did too. <laughs> oh, that's so good. such a good movie. I love that movie. We're gonna have to talk about that later because I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, but um, you were saying, yeah. Laron. Yeah, but games like Alien Isolation is on the Switch. Uh, the Witcher is on the Witcher is on the Switch. You know, games that you know, games that basically have like that were not really a factor, you know, on previous Nintendo systems, or you know, are showing up on the Switch, and I and I love it. So you know, it's one of those things where, where yeah, like. I'm surprised that a game like Leaders Through Larry is out there. Now, that being said, Leaders Through Larry is not my type of game. As a matter of fact, I outgrew that game, you know, by the time I hit my 20s. <laughs> now, about about Sony. Um, Before you go, Leron, uh, mm-hmm. David, there's a game called Sexy Poker that came on WiiWare on the Wii. <laughs> you need to look it up, everybody. And just... Why do you need to look up sexy poker? You know what it you is. You know what it is. You know because what it, it is. Because it was a take from a sales phone game. And thinking of Lisa Shoot Larry, I'm like, oh, a dark game, a dark games like this. I'm like, oh, for God, they were on WiiWare back in the day on the Wii, if you could find it. So go ahead, Laron. I'm sorry. I just had to say that. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, you know, um, I was actually trying to, I was, I, when, when Ed mentioned, I was trying to think of like, what are they censoring on 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 Sony? Because I mean, I mean, yeah, there's like this big deal, like you know, like apparently they they reduced uh, Tifa's cup size, you know, in Final Fantasy VII remake and stuff like that. But you know, for the most part, like I'm not really sure of like all the censorship and stuff because I don't know. Like we still have some pretty like like wild and crazy games out there, you know, on on PlayStation, you know, like even on the PS5, like there's some stuff that's like, whoa, you know. So I'm I'm 
don't know. Like, if you guys can give me an example, maybe I'll look it up later. Uh, I have to find out. There was a, a story about some anime game that came to, that was coming to Switch and uh, PlayStation, and oh, they said some, PlayStation. Uh, there's, there's some. I, I feel like if you could dig deep in uh, the the switch library there's like there's that catherine full body game that came out which is um, that's not adult it's no, not, it isn't. not adult. no it's got no. it's got like it's got i don't like know what hints. it is though. it's got like hints it's a puzzle game it's actually a really great puzzle game by atlas you should check it out it's super <laughs> what, super good wasn't there like some penny that's game some... that you, wasn't there like some penny game that you shoot uh the girls yeah the there's, girls there's a ton of adult games there's like there's a game that the whole premise is that it's it's a, it's one of those storytelling games where the whole premise is that you're try you're trying to collect collect panties from from like different <laughs> people that you talk to yeah there's a whole there's a whole ton of adult games um so sorry so let me ask it, you this thing Catherine, uh, i like Catherine a lot but it's also just funny too because like i look at this game and like laurent said he outgrew things like i look at the, like a game like this that we're talking about i'm like I'm, I'm too old to play that shit but then i like then i'll go and play captain toad and be so happy me too <laughs> so, me too like it's, it's like you know okay you know it, it's the perfect way to sum it up is like i'm a big kid at heart but i'm not i'm not stupidly immature <laughs> and you know and you know stuff like this you know you know it was just like i remember i remember working at gamestop when people were when people were snatching up copies of gta 3 off the shelf because they want to run that hot coffee code and stuff like that and i'm like you guys really really like we, we have the internet guys you, you don't need a video game for this oh when, uh, <laughs> so let me ask you this guys really quick uh so why now? Why is why is this coming out now? Why is this the right time for a port to the Switch? Jacob, you got a so, thought on that? Yeah, well, so I actually wanted to bring out the fact that um, the first game, Leisure Suit Larry, Dreams, Wet Dreams Don't Dry, is on the Switch. So this is actually just the sequel that's coming to the Switch. They've already put it on there, and, it, and again... I, so I haven't played that game. I listened to Go Nintendo podcast who has who did play. They did like a whole thing on it. Uh, they actually got sponsored by the game, and it's actually kind of interesting. Uh, it has to do with like Larry has to deal with like he was frozen, I think, and then comes into the 21st century and has to deal with like dating apps and like all these other weird things that are going on now. Um, but it's. I think it's really just like a, the company that makes this game ha was like, you know what, we've got the time, let's port it because it'll, you know, our previous one did well, this one should do well as, as also. It's adult games are really not um, adult games not made by Nintendo are really not like a new thing on Nintendo mm -hmm. consoles. Yeah, sure. and also you know we're in kind of a lull for new content and we're about to get a bunch of new content. So in terms of like. The right time to release something this seems like possibly business-wise like a smart move for them yeah absolutely there's not a Isn't lot going those... on so just drop it in and like Isn't i said those sexy parodius games or whatever they were called wasn't that on the nintendo system too no uh sexy parodius <laughs> is not on switch yet everybody's waiting for it to come it's not on there <laughs> everybody. yet. everybody uh, all right we're, we're gonna move on to our last story guys and i think you'll have a lot to say about this one as well so Capcom will broadcast another Monster Hunter live stream next, uh, actually not next week, tomorrow, excuse me. Um, this is from Liam Doolin at nintendolife.com. So following on from a series of broadcasts last month, 
Capcom has announced it will now air another Monster Hire or Monster Hunter uh, digital event on the 27th of April. It will be live streamed on Twitch and YouTube at 11 p.m. in Japan, 3 p.m. in the UK, 4 p.m. in Europe, and 7 a.m. Pacific time in the U.S. According to Gamatsu, Monster Hunter Rise fans will receive information about the game's first free title update featuring new monsters such as Camellios and Apex Rathalos. There will also be an update about the upcoming release Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Ruin, which is due uh, out in this July. So we'll start with our uh, Hunters for Hire panel here first. So, Laron, what do you make of yet another live stream for Monster Hunter Rise from Capcom? At this point, should Capcom be considered the best studio of 2021, given all they've accomplished and what they have on the calendar? What do you think, Laron? I think Capcom is definitely a contender for best studio for 2021 so far. As a matter of fact, I feel like they were best studio for 2020 and 2019 as well. (laughs) But I might have a slight bias because like practically every game Capcom released over the last couple of years, starting with Mega Man 11, I bought them. So, you know, Mega Man 11, Monster Hunter World, Monster Hunter Iceborne, Devil May May Cry 5, uh, freaking Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes and stuff like that. And now I've got Rise (laughs) and I'm getting Wings of Ruin. So, you know, like Capcom, Capcom is on a roll right now and and I'm I'm here for it, you know. the Monster Hunter, the Monster Hunter news drop, it actually comes at a, at a it, well, I mean, it, it, they could have brought this out earlier, if I'm being honest, because, I mean, you know, like, they, they teased, they, they did a teaser of that, you know, like, hey, like, Camellius is coming and Apex Rathalos is coming for, for the Rampage modes, uh, but what a lot of us are interested in right now is what are those additional monsters that are actually set, because there's actually Camellios, Apex, Rathalos, and it says additional monsters will also be revealed and stuff like that. Now, I'm not sure if they're actually going to, like, say anything about it on the um, on the stream, but, but you know, there's always pleasant surprises behind it. So, yeah, I'm I'm amped. I'm excited. And like I said, this is coming at, at the perfect time because, like, a lot of people have already hit endgame for Rise. So they're, 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 there's actually a vacuum for, for new content for Monster Hunter. And Monster Hunter has been doing a, a content thing They've been doing our content release pretty well since Monster Hunter World came out. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really interesting to watch a lot of the American players who are who are I say new to the game, uh, new to the series. They come from World specifically, and they're not used to the idea of having a regular a base game and then like a a G game, an ultimate game. Um, and so a lot of it's been interesting to see a lot of people kind of complaining that there's not been a lot to do but for this first month like if you've run out of stuff to do that's because you're crazy like me and you've put over 200 hours into the game um and and even then you really haven't run out of things to do because you could always craft new weapons and new armor so like don't don't even come at me um But uh, you know, I will, I will say that too. Like, if you, it, unless you've crafted every weapon and every piece of armor in the game, you really can't say that the game has ran out of content for you. Yeah, there's always reason. The whole point of the game is to fight monsters. There's always a reason to fight monsters. Um, if you're getting tired of those monsters, that's a different that's a different story. But you're not yeah. out of content. You're just bored with the content that you have. Um, I'm guessing that this is going to be like an Elder Dragon drop. I think that the word on the street is that there's a lot of Elder Dragons besides Camellios, like uh, Teostra and Kushala de Ora coming. 
Um, in this drop? In this drop. That's the word. That's the rumor. That's the rumor. That's that would be around. interesting, considering we only have two Elder Dragons in the in the in the original game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they're new, brand new Elder Dragons as well. Yeah. Um, but as far as Capcom being like the the a contender for 2021, I definitely think they could be. But I also think that they've just done a much better job than other developers at being vocal. I think a lot yes. of other developers are, are waiting for E3 to be able to say, like, we have the back half of the year fully packed for y'all. Sorry we've been so quiet on the front half of the year. But I do mm -hmm. think that that should, that should be awarded to Capcom, though, in that they have been vocal and they have been kind of piecemealing everything so that the entire year has Capcom content rather than just everything back-ended, back-loaded. Um, but... Uh, Dan, what about you? You've been playing a bunch of Monster Hunter with us. I say a bunch, but you've been playing Monster Hunter. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't really say much about Monster Hunter because I've learned literally everything about Monster Hunter from you, Laurent, and Ed. <laughs> so, but what I can say is like seeing what Capcom has done, like between, you know, reviving uh, Ghouls and Ghouls and Ghosts, um, you know all the monster hunter content that's absolutely killing it right now uh you know resident evil village is coming out and the ace attorney like no other company is really doing what com capcom is doing right now so mm -hmm. uh, to me nobody's better than them right now and like and a, said and an expansion the street Fighter five is coming yeah, exactly. And like Laurent said, like they've been killing it for years and I'm actually even going to extend it and say they've been the best company for 30 years. So, the bulk of my gaming entertainment has come from Capcom. I'll, Absolutely. I will say Mega that. Man, Resident <laughs> Evil, Monster Hunter, they just kill it. Um, yep. So, you know, they're just continuing to kill it and they continue. I mean, they're probably the only company that's lasted even close to longer than 10 years so good for capcom go ahead Laurent. i was gonna say we know capcom's the goat they they published three zelda games for nintendo back in their day words <laughs> out of my mouth uh yeah i was just gonna say they're the only third-party company to really successfully produce zelda games um and to do them well so yep. mainline zelda uh, games mainline yeah, yeah correct we don't talk about those other ones jacob okay. <laughs> um ed what do you think uh so um Capcom is a weird thing in, in a sense. And, I, and I'm glad that when we see this Monster Hunter thing, that they've really been pushing Monster Hunter, um, giving these kind of showcase and directs and letting people know what's coming new. Because I don't think they did a lot of this with World um, or with past Monster Hunter. So now oh, that they is... Did. They did. They did. They did. Um, I, I feel like them pushing it and really showcasing that they're dedicated to Monster Hunter... Uh, rise and what's coming up it's really good that they're getting that viewership that this game is getting seen and marketed as for capcom being one of the best publishers i think they're probably right now the best third party japanese publisher um and developer because don't forget capcom had a downturn before they got big again you know all the, all the way that resident evil 6 was taken um dark void on the 360 they had some hard times and i'm and there was a point of time people was thinking who's going to buy Capcom with all that rumor and that speculation but once Resident Evil 7 came out and that RE engine showed what it could do that turned everything around for Capcom and Capcom 
kind of figure out to, I, I kind of, I think I wrote a piece on this, uh, or I'm writing one that Capcom, uh, no, Konami, that's that's what I'm Konami, you wrote one on uh, Konami, yeah, uh, yeah, that Capcom is getting, it's kind of like realizing, oh, we need Nintendo more than ever. We've seen that the system's been successful. Stuff we put out on Nintendo has made a success, and now we can have we kind of have, can have it on both worlds. We can have success on Microsoft, PC, and PlayStation, but also have success on on Nintendo's platform. You know, and don't forget so, Nintendo. Nintendo and Capcom used to rock it back in the NES days. So, kind of getting that feeling back with a lot of their games out, Capcom is, has to put themselves in the greatest position that they ever been. And who else then would, because you said that they're the greatest sort of Japanese publisher of game, but who who else would be in competition with them for you it's then? Completely, it's Nintendo. Because Nintendo has okay, been, just as, Nintendo, yeah. literally from 2017, Nintendo has been releasing hits. Don't forget, Nintendo, you said, yes. You said, Nintendo, you, said third, you said third party though. Who would be another third party? Uh, another third party? Um, right now, at this time, uh, I would probably put it Bandai Namco as as it because the way that Dragon for, Dragon Ball Fighter Z is doing, um, the way that people got excited for Tales of Rise an- announcement and them working with doing Smash and just like Bandai Namco has kind of been a hit like company with them um, for West for Western like like for Western um, developers. Sadly, that I had to give it to like. I, I kind of for American developers, I kind of had to give it to Naughty Dog and Sucker Punch um, because they have Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us Part Two are phenomenal games, and they have been knocking it out. So I will get them props to it. Um, other than that, it's it's just gonna be indie developers like wait, uh, indie developers like uh, the people who make Shovel Knight, uh, Yacht Club. Um, the people who made the uh, uh, not Yoko Island, um, uh, that Bento Kazooie kind of inspired game, you could lay. So, hold on, Ed. So, you're not giving it to Project CD Red? That was Project that's so trolling. CD, CD, <laughs> CD, 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 CD Project Red has to Don't has take to, that seriously, Ed. <laughs> I know, no, <laughs> just messing I with you, Ed. I, <laughs> No, I appreciate the passion at it. And I, I agree with you overall. If we talk about just pure publishers of games, I think Nintendo probably has to be on top. But I but I hear what you're saying, and I agree as far as third party goes that you have to give that to Capcom. Uh, gentlemen, it was an awesome panel discussing the news. Uh, Dan, we're going to wrap it up and give it back over to you. Awesome. Thank you, David. So now we're going to get into our doc mode where um, – We're going to talk a little bit about prices of games and are we paying too much for video games? Um, We were talking about this over on in our community on Discord and on our Twitter, but we were thinking about, you know, breaking down the anatomy of a video game and talking about are we spending too much for a game? So realistically, right now, any new game that comes out, we're going to use a Switch, for example, is $60. Every game that comes out, you know, if it's first party, it's going to be on physical and digital. But both games are going to be worth the same amount, even though it doesn't take the same amount, or maybe it does, to put into making a physical and digital copy. So we're going to talk a little bit about... um, games, how much they cost, and we're going to ask ourselves, is it too much to pay $60 for a game? Um, 
Jacob, you've been really passionate about this one and you've really been holding in your opinions for like two weeks and I have to hear them kick it off. Y'all are tripping if you think that you're paying too much for a video game, okay? Games used to be $80. They've dropped in price. They've... No, no. Neo Geo games used to be $200 for a $600 yeah, system. Y'all are well, tripping. Cost of yeah, making but, games but, has let's... gone up, and game prices have stayed at $60. Mobile games have stayed at $40, typically, like on the DS, 3DS days. And, for, for like... Okay, full disclosure, I'm all digital. I have a one terabyte, gigab one gigabyte, no, one terabyte memory card in my Switch, and I, I have like 400 gigabytes of that thing left. I don't buy physical games unless I have to buy physical games like Nintendo Labo. Um, those, if anything, the people who buy digital should be paying less than the people who buy physical unless it's a used game. Because there's so much more money that goes into putting a physical game that the company has to has to pay. That's why that's why there's things like switch tax where it's like, oh well, you know, it's it's sixty bucks. They can't just they this game came out uh, three years ago on the Xbox and it was it was sixty bucks and now I can buy it for ten dollars, but on the Switch it's sixty dollars. No 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 no. That's because they still have to make it on a cartridge. They still have to they still have to do stuff. That people have to get paid. So and we're continuing to pay sixty dollars for a game. It should be like it, honestly, it should probably be closer to a hundred, hundred and twenty dollars right now. If you go, if you look, I have to look and do actual math. But if you look at like how time has progressed and cost to make games has progressed, it should be way up there. And people are complaining that they're paying too much. No, y'all are crazy. Y'all don't well, what, shut what your mouth because about... you're going to make us pay more. <laughs> oh. Well, what is it about it that it, you're telling me we need to pay $120 for a game, but then they're able to turn around and sell it for 60 well, how, how does that work? Because, because, okay, because it's, it's a consumer, it's a consumer supply and demand thing. You can't, I mean, they, I think it was PlayStation and Microsoft started talking about releasing their games for 70 and the, the internet, the, the population of gamers went nuts and that's $10. People like were super adam like mad about it. And that's $10. They can't just start hiking up prices. We're in like this set this set mind frame and that's why i'm like the more people discuss this the more it's gonna come back to bite you in the butt so okay not so um uh, so i don't think we're paying so much i think we're paying a right price whether it's physical or digital but definitely when it comes to nintendo um you you kind of know that if you don't get the game at that time um, it's going to be, it may be years till you get a chance to play this game again. And if anyone is selling their physical version, they're going to hype, jack up the price, uh, trying to get it. So if you don't get it at first print, um, you know, you, I don't know what else to say about that. Another, I think a lot of people we think about, um, licensing versus the actual copy because yes, you could buy the game on the eShop, but if they, if something if they lose the license or they take it off the eShop and you can't download it no more, they already got your sixty dollars. LeBron, you've been talking about cloud gaming, I think, and how it's kind of a concern and stuff. Um, in 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 a sense, I'm like, well, that's kind of almost like just regular games on the digital format. If they want to, if they want to take a game off, they physically can, you know. And you, if you, 
uh, take it off your system and you can't re-download it, you already lose out on money. So that physical version, having it, it is guaranteed to be like, hey, at least I can still pop my game in and play. Mm. That's why more people on Nintendo consoles really go out and buy the physical version because if anything, if anything happens um, to that game on the eShop or anything, they won't have a chance to play. And plus, people like to collect stuff. And so having that physical media, they would like to collect it. So paying $60 um, uh, paying sixty dollars, it's just, it's a very reasonable. I would say forty to sixty dollars or anything. And I know a lot of people don't like the Nintendo pricing stuff, but I'm just like, you gotta, they gotta make that money. I was telling Dana like sometimes it depends on the marketing and it depends on how long that game got delayed. Can okay, I just okay. jump jump in really quick? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I one thing that I would say I. I think artists should be paid and if if it was actually guaranteed that the increase in sales price would go towards the people making the games i'm all for yes. it unfortunately companies often just pad their bottom line and artists still don't get paid and that that bothers me yes. absolutely the other thing i would just add to it i don't think digital should be cheaper than physical just because it would really mess over physical retailers if mm -hmm. it you know if people There's could just basically undercut them but if companies are going to pull digital stores and not allow you to re-download stuff that's where i can be a little bit more sympathetic to this idea that it should be cheaper so i'll, I'll leave it at that but those are my two cents laurent what do you think okay uh I am 100% agree with my partner from Hunters for Hire. 60 and $70, <laughs> that is not a big ask cuz I remember I remember when I had to buy Final Fantasy Final Fantasy 3 for Super NES, I spent 90 damn dollars for that game. What was it Trigger? <laughs> Chrono Trigger was $80. Was it Fantasy Wasn't Fantasy Star the same thing? Yeah. Like $80? Yeah. On the on the Sega on the Sega Genesis, yeah. If, yeah, if Fancy games Star followed price, we'd be paying way more than we currently do. If they followed and, like and, actual and, trends, yeah. Yeah, and if games if games are definitely going off of inflation, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So so you know everybody that's that's yelling and complaining, you're spending forty dollars for 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 a cartridge based game for a handheld. You're spending sixty and seventy dollars for it for a disc or a digital release on 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 a current system. That's nothing. That's nothing. You guys you guys didn't live when you had to basically like like hawk your rent to to play a, a really popular game. You <laughs> all right? Uh, now with the I'm also in agreement with with uh, David on this. Digital games should match the same price as physical. If we're going, if we need, if we're going to drive down the cost of, of digital games, we need to drive down the cost of physical games. And the reason why I'm saying that is because it's not fair to a certain consumer. Like some people just don't have hard drive space, so they need they are forced to buy a physical game and, uh, and you know things of that nature. Even though I know physical copies do take up hard drive space on your system, but still, like you can't drive. I would love for digital games to be cheaper, but what I want is for digital games to match whenever the price when the price of physical games come down because we games. see it a lot on yeah we see it a lot on these marketplaces where like where like I can walk into GameStop and Walmart and Target and all these places and a game like uh, Ghost of Tsushima is not is not thirty dollars right now I'm just I'm just saying it Ghost of Tsushima will be on their shelves brand new for thirty dollars but when I go to the to the marketplace for that game digital it is still full price and it's like Hold on, we need to have consistency across the board. That's one of the things. Nintendo's guilty about that. Oh, god. Nintendo about that. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, yeah. But uh, so I just wanted to ask you guys because we're talking about digital versus physical. It seems like there's a lot more that goes into a physical copy. 
mm-hmm. you know, the production, the manufacturing, the marketing. Uh, Laurent, you used to work at GameStop. So did you, Jacob. You know that there's also returning fees with it. Um, yes. So, you know, this kind of brings me back to what Jacob was saying earlier, where games should cost like $120. Do you think that the reason digital games are staying the same price as physical games is to make up that money that should be made on physical games or is there kind of a difference can i actually jump on this before you guys go so working at toys we sold a lot of physical over digitals because for parent rise they did not want to put their credit card in that system for their kids to buy games. You already see what the problem is going on with EA and everything with that. So parents rather avoid all of that. They rather just go into the store and buy the game. Call of Duty was like this big time. If they were going to buy it or they were going to have their kid buy the have, uh, Call of Duty, they wasn't going to get it physical. They literally was going to go get it, uh, I mean, digital. They were going to get it physical and everything. So we, like, saw the, we saw the same thing at GameStop too. Like parent, like like parents are not just going to like put you know their credit card number into a into any. Uh, it, it doesn't even matter if it's a console. Like they wouldn't put their credit card numbers in PCs. You know, for for like just mm-hmm. the random run the mill stuff. Um, but but I think I think ultimately uh, with with Dan's question, I don't I don't actually have a real answer for why like why like the digital prices stay high even when the physical come down because I mean oh well first of all like you know like last time I bought a physical copy of a game like you got you got the case you got the disc and you got the cover art you don't even get the instructions mm-hmm, <laughs> you <yeah>. don't you. <laughs> You barely, you barely get the, you barely get the card that if you bought the deluxe edition, you barely get the card that says like, hey, like here's your download code. They send you to a website so you can get your code. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> so you know, so so, I'm not sure what the what the real like gap is between like why the pricing on digital is like what it is because in in all seriousness, I'm, yeah, I know it costs like now I think like twelve cents now to print to print a Blu-ray disc for a game now. I, I believe so. It's some it's something ridiculous. Like because you you go buy a blank Blu-ray in the store, it's still like freaking expensive. But <laughs> but um I'm not sure what that's about. It is a possibility that this is their way to recoup, like like restocking fees whenever someone does return a copy and things like that. That's a I, that's why I was like, that's a very phenomenal question you ask. Uh, but my whole thing is like, in in all seriousness, like physical releases should actually be more expensive than digital releases, just based off of what what the time and the process that goes into it. They have to ship the stuff out, they have to package it, they have to do all this and that into it. You know, they should technically be more expensive, and. And for a while, when Microsoft was like talking, talking that big game and carrying a big stick with the Xbox uh, 360 and the Xbox One, I really thought that Microsoft was going to make a move and push digital to like a cheaper price to start phasing out physical. I really thought it was because they were really about Xbox Live Marketplace and all this stuff. And I was like, ooh, we might just see digital only on freaking Xbox real soon here. But, you know, but- it didn't it, it hasn't gone that way. But now they have Game Pass, which is a digital marketplace that, you mm-hmm. know, like you spend like 15 at, at, at best, you spend 15 dollars and you're getting all these games. One thing you do have to factor factor with retail that the retail store itself got to get this cut from selling that game. Right. So they'll make up that cut when they sell digital um for it so let's say they let's say target gets like five dollars for it if they were selling dead sales at 29 and dead sales at the store um 
that company who makes it is going to release um is going to receive less from the physical but like maybe full profit from digital so whatever they miss it out on physical they'll make it up on digital because of that that's cut. true that's right true. but like at this point you know the price of new games has been about $60 for so long it seems like kind of an arbitrary number at this point um so you know if they do increase prices on games 10 or $20 like do you think that would actually take away from sales because as gamers we're so used to this i mean Laurent, i had a twist your arm and break it behind your head to get you to buy fire emblem <laughs> which, and then which, it went on which, sale which, two weeks later <laughs> it went on sale for half the price that i bought it for and now it seems like anytime i walk into a store it is thirty dollars and i'm like did this game just this game just take a permanent price drop because i'm really upset right now <laughs> um, no i know i know it's i know it's regular price because uh because because after like Mario, the Mario 3D edition came off the shelves and so, well, they stopped being in print. Like I know it's all Nintendo Switch games went back up to their regular MSRP. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, David, what did you think about that? Well, I was just going to go, I was really kind of ruminating on this idea of games be a, being $120 each. And, you know, I had this thought that if games cost $120, we would all finish our backlogs. Yeah. Yes. Remember, <laughs> so, remember you know, when? Remember when you weren't the one paying for a game? Your parents were, and so you had to beat the game. Yeah. Order, right? That's what yeah. would happen. Is backlogs would disappear. Like it, mm -hmm. it, that would just be the thing because no one wants to go out and just drop one hundred and twenty dollars every week for a new game. Um, I do. I. I. Sorry, David. Was that the last point of your? No, that was it. Okay. I, I was I, thinking that I. I felt like a, a, a politician running on a proposal to fix the social ill that all backlog. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I do want to. I do want to kind of uh, reiterate something that that you did say, though, David. Is that so? I I'm very passionate about this. Obviously, I I would a hundred percent not want to see the prices go up if I or I would want to see the prices go up if I knew that the money was going to the people who make the games and not yes. the people who already right. are pocketing so mm -hmm. much money. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just, that's a whole different talk of it, topic of like greed and corruption. But I did want to say that. So I'm going to get crucified for this man. Um, go for it. <laughs> physical people who are champions of physical games. I love Ed. I love and appreciate you so much. I hope that you and Ed is actually, I think, an exception to this in a lot of ways. Uh, but I would love to find someone who has every single physical game that they have ever bought throughout their entire life and have never, ever had to rebuy that game again, because the whole topic of. Well, it's for, you know, I buy a physical game because then it's mine and I get to keep it, but it's going to end up in the trash after you die, after yes. you get bored of that. When you need some money, when you're down on your luck, games fly out the door real quick. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. And then you have to buy them again. I, I have, I, this is my third switch because my first two switches broke from, from just use constant use and like always hauling it around with me and dropping it, things like that. I have never ever bought a game twice because I buy the switch. All my games are there. I know that that's a very specific thing because as soon as they st switch stops being relevant, if I lose my data for these games, I lose my games. And that is a thing that I, you have to face. But again, 
I don't I don't have I've I don't have a lot of my N sixty four GameCube uh Wii SNES games because I've sold them and if I want them yes. I have to pay triple sometimes the price that I paid or, or rather my parents paid when mm-hmm. I, we when I first had them but if I had a digital if digital servers existed and they were still relevant then I wouldn't have to do that I would just have to have the system and an internet connection. And the other part of that is preservationists uh, and physical games. The only thing that you're preserving is the actual physical media. You're not yeah. preserving the digital code because that's preserved yep. on a hard drive somewhere. That's why when you emulate games, you don't have to stick in a physical game. You're playing a digital right. game. Like, the, oh, one of the things um, about this is that if your game is a success on the digital version, there will be people who will go out and buy it physically when it comes down later. You know, look at Streets of Rage did it. People went out and bought the uh, Ori and the Blind Forest collection for Xbox and for Switch. Um, like, there are times that, uh, and this is more indie games, like, some of those games that come out later on, if they get a physical version, people will pay the $40. So, you know, we always talk about double dipping, but if you're getting both versions, you might end up paying about 55 to $60 yeah. um, in total. You know, so, and I, um, my roommate, my roommate caught me a couple of years ago because I was, I was, I like to call it consumer mode. Um, I would buy an indie title, for example. And, um, and I would buy it on digital, of course. And then when a physical comes out, like I would wind up like immediately running out and getting that physical copy and stuff like that. And my roommate, my roommate basically, he was like, Hey, He's like, I know, like, you love video games and stuff. You already have the game, but here's the thing about it. Like, you're spending additional money when you could be using that to buy the next game that you really want and stuff like that. And, it was like, and then he even asked the question, did you already play and beat this game? And, I was, and then it's like when it finally clicked for me, I was like, you know what? I'm one of those people, like, I live with I, – I have roommates and I live with people. And so whenever I move and stuff, I have to box all my stuff up and haul it all over the place. And it was getting to the point where I'm getting tired of carrying like 75 PS2 PS2 games, you know, plus the system and all that stuff, you know. (laughs) So I I realized I had a problem at that point, you know. But that being said, I am not I am never going to say that, you know, like collectors, you know, that want the physical, the the preservationists, as as Jacob called them. I'm never going to say they're crazy about it. But, you know, I get it. There's there's always going to be a market for you until they until the one day Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft get up and say no more physical games. Yeah, <laughs> there's and, always but, going to be, and it's going to happen. Uh, I hate to break it to you, but it's going to happen. David, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, Chris. yeah, I, I was just going to say that uh, you know I I'm actually one of those people, Jacob. I have I, I there are very few games I have ever purchased that I have sold afterwards. I. <laughs> Um, I've I've hung on to games even sometimes when I was pretty I really low on I, money. I really um, wish I could have done that. And that's that's what know, I, so like, like I still I still have my like I go back and play my original Super Nintendo that I I keep all my old games. Um, but you know to your to your credit like that's you know still a luxury and for most folks it, you know if it comes down to you know paying your rent or whatever mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. My one my one franchise though that I would say that I will always buy physical for is zelda games i love going back and playing retro zelda games and um i, I don't want to trust that to the digital gods so to speak <laughs> it, well, it, it hurts I, it hurts I, my heart because as much as i love monster hunter i my very first 
digital purchase, no disc, was Rise. And I'm, and there's a part of me that's like, man, I should just go to the store and get a copy of the game. I am fighting it so hard. I will, I will say this. When it comes to physical versions, I think we mostly can all agree it's mostly Nintendo. When it comes mm-hmm. to digital with like first party and third party games, it has mostly been Microsoft PC. Well, definitely PC because they don't make boxes. Yeah, PC. Yeah, PC doesn't doesn't. I want to say two percent of PC games every year are in a box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and most of them are most... just a code in a box. Yeah, actually, not... actually, I buy more. I buy I buy I buy most of my PlayStation stuff physical. I, I do unless I, unless I, I'm just too lazy and don't want to go to the store. The pandemic has helped has helped me out with that. I'm like, I'm not going to a freaking store. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just gonna buy it now. <laughs> can, can I just jump in really quick? One more yeah, thing. One ahead, other Dave. one other thing that I think factors into this is is being a parent. I, I would say, for me, I don't buy my kids physical copies because they lose them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. digital yes. is really really great for that. But you know, for example, Skyward Sword HD is coming out in July. I've already pre-ordered my physical copy and pre-ordered the digital download on my kids' switches so that I don't have to worry about that, right? And I don't have to worry about them sharing either, which is, is another it thing, right? So when, when the pre-order is available, right? Yeah. Because I think mm-hmm. I got to, because I need to pre-order that from uh, Best Buy, and I got to pre-order the Master Hunter uh, World of Warrior collection for uh, I'll do that Thursday. Um, the, the last, yeah. The, the thing about it is, is that we're gonna pay what we're gonna pay. If you could spend that same amount of money of buying cigarettes, you could spend it on a sixty-dollar game. <laughs> so, and I, that's I, not that, the, hold on. That's that's not how the world works. I'm I'm gonna tell you like I'm that, just I'm just you know, no no I'm, you sound you sound like my grandmother and I, and I and I get the logic, but that's not how it works I'm because just, I'm just because saying. because to I, the cigarette I, smokers like our, us gamers, we have the habit. They don't have the habit with cigarettes. Just, we have the I'm habit just, with video games. I'm just saying, if you spend a twenty dollars every other two days, you could buy you a game for sixty dollars. That's all I'm saying. No, yeah, you're right. I, I did want to say real quick, just so that I don't get crucified on the internet for my passion on this, is that, uh, I, like I said at the beginning, to the phys- to the Davids and Eds of the world that love physical and buy physical and keep physical, I totally respect you, and I hope that that choice stays around. I don't think it will, because I think greed will take over on these companies mm-hmm. and that oh. digital, they make more money, They're... and they'll go that route eventually. Jacob, you already yeah. know me. Yeah. If, yeah. if I buy a game that's if I buy a game that's on digital and it comes out later for physical, you'll buy it I'm again. I know, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I totally it's respect no that. It's yeah, no, no there's yeah, no shade. No the shade from me comes exactly. when people are like, "Digital people don't make sense." It's like, no, I do the no. exact same thing that y'all do. I just, I get no. to take all of my games with me on if, one go. If, I, I just think one thing personally that I love about physical games is just the box art. <laughs> like, that, that, yeah, that's that's, it for me. that's, that's really that's the only thing right now right. that gets me to buy a game physically is just having cool box art. Like right. I know that I, I, you know, Age of Calamity is probably one of the worst things that's happened to me in the last year. <laughs> David, <laughs> but the box art was fantastic on it. <laughs> I will say this. I don't, I don't, I have nothing against anyone who does. Digital is kind of the best way for people who want convenience, mm-hmm. who want easy access. This is and all I have to spend, take with me to play right. every and single if, game and, I own. Except, and, except, and when, it, ex, except when certain companies wait till like three in the afternoon to like turn, turn the, flip the switch on for us to play the game that should have been available at midnight. <laughs> True. <laughs> all right. So like just to just kind of wrap up this conversation, um, I'm going to ask you guys, 
do you prefer digital or physical? And how much do you think we should pay for a game if we're paying for it uh, physically? So, or if you think you're spending too much right now on a game. So Jacob, we know you prefer digital. We know you prefer, um, you know, you think we're not paying enough, but any final, any final thoughts on it? Uh, the final thought that I wanted to say, and this is a, another big part of it, is that if, if you buy a game, Laurent is an exception here because if you buy, let me say this, let me rephrase this. If you buy a game day one, for $60 and then three months down the road, it is $40. Do not complain that it dropped in price. Mm -hmm. You yeah, paid yeah. $20 extra to play the game for three months while people who waited for it to drop in price did not. Like that is the most, that is the hugest pet peeve for me. And I have to stop myself on Twitter all the time from yelling at people for that. Because you <laughs> paid more you know to play it's, early. It's, it's, you know what? I, I, angst, I, I, I angst about the Fire Emblem thing, but in all seriousness, I appreciate the fact that I bought the game full price because at least the people who were responsible for the game are at least getting their full buck value for it. Yes. Uh, we just... We just had a conversation on Crossroads last week about how, like, a certain a certain uh, person that was a, a, a affiliated with a game series, with a, with a game, a, with a game, was complaining about the fact if you love games, buy them at full fracking price, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. stuff like that. And it was like, no, that's you. You can't come at gamers like that because you don't know what what their personal economics are like. And and you know, yeah, like I was I was hand wringing about whether or not to get Fire Emblem, but you know, Fire Emblem been out for like for like X amount of months, and I was like, man, like it's it's still sixty dollars, and and I've never <laughs> seen it. I, I saw it go on sale one time before I was able to buy it, and it dropped down to like to like thirty three dollars. Yeah, and, but, but and that's that's just bad luck. Like if you've waited yeah, that yeah, time yeah. and then you buy it and then it drops like a day later, that's bad luck. But if you buy it day one and then you complain that it drops in price afterwards, oh, that's on no that's right. on you. That's yeah, a you, you problem. Have, you have no right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll shut up now. <laughs> uh, David, what do you think? Um, do you think we're spending too much for games, and do you prefer digital over physical? You know, I, I'm in the middle about digital or physical, even though I save them all just because of the, the parent thing. But I think if I just think about myself as a gamer, I definitely prefer physical for the art, for the, the having it in my hands, the nostalgia. Um, I think that the right price for me that I would be willing to pay is $79.99. Anything more than that, I'm going to really start slowing down how much I, I purchase. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the line for me. How about you, Laurent? Um, I'm also in like the mixed the mixed company as far as like digital versus physical. I've noticed I've actually shifted more to digital. I, I you know, but that's just because like COVID helped me realize that sometimes convenience is what it's all about and things like that. So you know, like I still cherry pick which games. Like I said, like I said, it hurts my heart that my first I I have a physical I mean a digital version of a Monster Hunter game. It's the first one ever that I don't have a physical disc for, well physical physical media for. Mm. But um, but at the same time, you know um. I don't. I. I am also. We're. We are not paying too much for games right now. So, like I said, anybody is complaining about the current price tag for games or the current upcoming. Well, PS PS Five and Xbox Series the Series games are already seventy dollars. You know things like that. But you know what? Here's my. Here's my. Here's my counter to that. You're complaining about the original MSRP for a game, yet you guys would spend seventy, eighty, ninety, a hundred and forty dollars for collector's edition games, you know, and stuff like that. And you're getting the same thing, and sometimes you're getting cheap product, you know, but you spent like basically double the price for for the game, you know, for the purchase and stuff. So you know, people just need to shop about that. 
they do they do like i said it could it could be a lot it could have been a lot worse like we could we typically we could have been paying two hundred dollars a shot for games like we were back with the with the neo geo games which the reason why those games were expensive was because like when you bought a neo geo like the system you actually bought the actual source code for the arcade cabinets so when those games came out you bought the actual arcade copy of the game and and i understand why it's that much money yep ed final word so uh i do do physical i will say that um i do do digital also but more mostly physical when i can um if there is a game that comes out digitally uh and this is how bad i am i was by digitally on xbox playstation and on uh on nintendo and it could be the same game trust me i probably i own ikaruga on all three systems <laughs> for it so i prefer i prefer physical because i love having like going into the store buying it uh it's not even just a box art it's just having a guaranteed copy that i have this original version so if anything ever happens on like of Xbox Live go down, or if PlayStation Network goes down, or and I or my internet go internet goes out for a while, but I still got electricity and I want to play that game, I could pop it in and play. It. Like if I want to play Destiny or something, um, well I can't use Destiny because it has to be online always. Um, <laughs> uh, if if something is connected on, uh, there's a game that that I could just like literally play by popping in the disc mm-hmm. in. Um, that don't require the internet or something. I could just pop it in and have a good time with it. Um, with it, I'm old school. Oh, I, oh, uh, before you go, that Xena, that Xenoblade Chronicles when it came out for Wii, when GameStop was trying to get me to turn it in, they jacked the used price up to thir- to eighty dollars. Yeah. For a fifty dollar game. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, because they only made a limited amount of that Xenoblade exactly. Chronicles. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so me pay for me paying sixty dollars for games physically or even digitally is fine with me. I pay up to hundred twenty or forty or hundred and forty some dollars to get the collection. That Orbi two collection that I got for a Switch was a hundred and fifty some dollars. And I pay already eighty dollars for the final for the Xbox One version. So yeah, I'm like people don't complain about it. And if it does go on sale, it's not always guaranteed that people are going to jump on that game digitally on that sale price. Around, jump in. Uh, when what Ed was talking about with the online connectivity thing, that was that brought me back to like the I need to explain myself about like the, the cloud gaming thing. The reason why mm-hmm. the cloud gaming game kind of makes me kind of skittish is just for the simple fact is like you know like it's all based on how long the company has those servers up because you don't have a physical you don't have a physical you basically have a license just to play that game. Um, so it's one of those things where like you know if you have the bad timing like right right now control is like control resident evil 7 are playable on the switch for example you know through the cloud gaming stuff like that but if you were one of those people that have just the bad luck and you're like you know what i'm finally going to play this game and then two weeks later they shut the servers down you just spent full price for a game that you can no longer play and stuff like that so that's my that was my that's my explanation for why cloud gaming kind of makes me skittish right now uh but you know like I would I would never like bash anybody for how they consume video games. You know, like hey, like video games is a is a wonderful hobby, and in some parts of, of the world, it's um it's basically your escape. It's how you deal with life and things like that. So you know, however you play your video games, I I applaud you and I appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Man, that was an awesome discussion. I um, I'm I personally buy digital uh, digital just for the convenience factor, and like I said, I buy physical when I think the box art is really cool. But you know, I travel a lot for work, so having those digital games just being able to flip on the fly is uh, pretty pretty convenient for me. And then I also kind of pick and choose some games that I like to play digitally anyway. Like Animal mm -hmm. Crossing is a game I play for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. It is such a pain in the ass to take that in and out if I had to play it. And mm -hmm. same thing with like Smash Brothers if I want to just pop on and play, you know, one or two matches. So that's kind of where I stand with the uh, digital versus physical. But um, anyway, that's been our docked mode. Um, you know, thank you for everybody commenting on the chat on Twitch. And uh, if, you know, if you have anything you wanted to say about uh, digital versus physical or how much we're spending on games, please check us out on Twitter or join our Discord. Let us know what you think. So now we're going to get into playing with power. Uh, David, kick it off. What are you playing with power? <laughs> yes. So um, I've been diving into Xenoblade Chronicles a little bit deeper this <laughs> week. And, uh Finally got, I, I feel like I'm making some significant progress in the game now. Um, and I, I really, I've hit that sweet spot where I'm just, I'm loving it. I finally figured out like what the best combinations of attacks are and who I want in my party. Who is um, in your party? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> you know, I, God, I don't have all the character names in front of me and I'm so bad. <laughs> put me on the spot. Uh, what's the uh, hero pawn? What's his name? Ricky. I, Ricky. I've got Ricky and... Um, uh what's his name with dunban ricky and nice. dunban are my my two favorites that i have in there i i love uh the way ricky has so much health and their their combination so um that i'm just enjoying that i've been i've been doing so many side quests i got completely lost in exploring and doing side quests and it's been a long time since i felt really immersed in a game um, so I've been really appreciating that. So I'm excited and I'm excited that I have Xenoblade Chronicles 2 physical edition waiting for me here, which has suddenly become very hard to get. Um, mm -hmm. so I'm looking That's forward it. to playing that one next. Yeah. Yeah. There's a shortage of that. Um, and then I'm, I'm still, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself, but I'm trying to hundred percent spirit tracks and <laughs> I, okay. I might just need to beat it because okay. I like, I've got, Anyway, I could talk a long time about that game. I, I've got thoughts on spirit Look, tracks. You but... did what you could do. Now move on. There. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that's what I've been playing with power. I've been, I'm going to jump in here because I'm really, so I do a community game night thing with my, the Otter Kingdom community, my community on Twitch every Saturday. And we have quite possibly created shout out to them. Cause we've quite possibly created the most fun way to play among us um we so we kind of made our own set of rules where we put the movement speed on the slowest possible movement speed that you can go <laughs> oh, no. the trader has to announce <laughs> oh, the imposter has to announce who they are at the beginning of the game they're not allowed to use any sort of sabotages strictly because at that slow of a movement speed you actually can't get to the sabotage in time to fix it <laughs> and what it becomes what and everyone is allowed to talk during the entire thing what it becomes is the the crewmates it's like an alien game they they're like we're like screaming at each other like oh god he's over here he's chasing me and like we try to like work together and when you have a long task 
you're just sitting there and you're like they they're stalking you it's the funniest thing and it makes vince so much more terrifying because you'll be like mm. trouncing along no worries at all because the imposter's not near you and then he'll just come out of the vent and you're done because you can't run from him it's it is you, i i really want y'all to play with us it's it is the best way to play Among Us. In That's my like opinion. the that first Among fun. Us I've yeah. missed in a while, too. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was really proud of them. We were just kind of messing around with the settings, and we all we were like workshopping a bunch of different ideas, and we ended up on that one. And it is it is easily, yes, AJ in the chat. It is easily the most fun I've ever had with that game. Um, I, I love the alien comparison. I yeah. can totally see that with the vents. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's very scary. And, like, <laughs> especially when it gets down to the, the imposter is chasing the last two people, they have to really work together and, like, watch each other's back to make sure that they can do these tasks. It is terrifying and just really funny. Um, awesome. other than that, like I said, kind of at the beginning of the show is I've been playing a lot of monster hunter. I've been kind of getting back into breath of the wild. I'm trying to get my hundred percent file back up and running in time yes. for breath of the wild too, which I'm hoping comes this year. Yes. Maybe we might get a cool surprise for E3. Um, and then jumping into the longing this week and I, I'm trying to find another indie game to pick up just kind of in my free time um something that i haven't played before i think it's about time because of breath of the wild i'm in kind of a zelda mood i think it's finally time for me to jump into crypt of the necrodancer um uh, the, the, uh, Hy the hyrule one i forget the full title for that one cadence of hyrule yes yeah cadence of hyrule have that... you have you tried the dlc that just came out a little while ago with skull kid I, I haven't played that game at all because I was so okay. I, I was playing Crypt of the Necrodancer when it came out and I was like I have to beat Crypt of the Necrodancer and then I just fell off Crypt of the Necrodancer and so I was I just never got into Cadence but it's sitting there I bought it because so, they, they FOMO'd me when they were like oh you can get Blue Link and Red Zelda or whatever it was for the DLC yeah. pack and I bought it right away so really quick it it's amazing Cadence of Hyrule is awesome I've played it all the way through. The DLC for Skull Kid is a separate storyline. It is ungodly. It's so hard. Like, really? I, like it is like the difficulty curve just all of a sudden grew exponentially for no reason, <laughs> and it is, it feels like a troll. It, it really okay. does. It's just I, I can't wait to hear I what you think. I I need to go buy that at would, the store. Yeah. Would you version. would you say that I could play that without playing the base game and not like get spoiled on anything or or. I mean, you could, but it, it's really worth playing the base game okay. all the way through. It, right. It's a beautiful story and create, particularly if you played Necrodancer, it actually has a surprise connection that I won't say, but it's really cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. I will do that and then get back to you about my opinions on mm -hmm. the DLC. Because, yeah, I, I bought the whole DLC pack when they, because they, Nintendo always gets me whenever they say something's yep. limited <laughs> or whenever you have a time frame to get it in. I'm like, yep, well, there goes my money. <laughs> Look. Uh, for me, it's oh, it's it's only been Monster Hunter Rise. Like I mean, like I've, like I'm nowhere close to my companions. Uh, my companion from Hunter for Hi Hunters for Hire. Like I, I am not what you said. Two hundred thirty hours right now. Like two hundred thirty-three yeah, uh, or something. I just crossed the finish line at eighty-one hours. 
<laughs> and I'm still going because, like I, like I said, I haven't even done my HR7 urgent yet. So, you know, there mm. we go. Uh, but um, I've been having a lot of fun. And, yes, like like we said earlier, like there's, there's, there's content there because I've been making a ton of weapons that I'm not sure when I'm going to start using them. But I've been making weapons because uh, pro tip. You don't get your third your third switch skill unless you make more weapons than each of the fourteen classes. You don't yeah. get it. So wait, what? Yeah, yes. yeah. You have to make. I think the number oh, God. is seven different weapons. Why did we save that for weapons. hunters for hire? But, we just save that for. I well, we'll, we'll reiterate it, Ed. So, but for the pal block people, because this will come out. I have out. no idea. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm just still upgrades, chipping upgrades away count. with this like little knife. Upgrades <laughs> count. Dan, so you, you, do you want to play tonight? I, I, let's play. All right, we'll play. If, okay. you, if you upgrade a weapon to the final tree, that's I think that's about seven steps, and then you'll get the the last switch skill. Okay, okay. now see that I didn't know. I, yeah. I I I knew I knew though. If you just start making a bunch of weapons off the trees for each of the fourteen classes, you unlock each individual sw th additional switch skill. Yes. But, okay, but I'm glad to see that because I because I still need to get the seventh level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as because I as because I haven't gotten the HR seven yet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What about you? Yeah. Uh, so I have, uh, I told David this, um, cause he posted this in the chat and David, you already know what this game is. The Sakurai Succubus. This is the big anime titty game, uh, <laughs> visual novel. <laughs> I don't like the way you say David posted this in the chat as though, like, <laughs> I'm responsible for this. <laughs> David has done a 100% run through. I, I, I yeah. David is I, just playing anime titty games. He's on Xenoblade Chronicles, waiting on Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <laughs> I didn't know nothing about this game, and David just, like, he posted this, and it was looking all sexy, and he gonna put thoughts and my thing was i will be buying this game so i uh it's a lot of reading so uh, there's not much interaction with it um and it's it's very interesting i gotta play more to see if it gets like very over the top but it is kind of irritating because they say uh some curse words in this one um and everything uh not uh not a lot of action and stuff is going on it's just a lot of reading um, with it so uh but i will get give more about it it's just i i just had to mention this to david because he was just he posted it it came out and i brought it real, so not, not something that i was we're gonna quick, need a ed, review ed real quick ed before you go on i just want to say because i know that uh people from david's professional life sometimes might listen to our podcast david has not played this game he covers <laughs> our you. news so he was just letting us know to, like that it was being announced and and he's just doing his job um, he is a he is a wonderful person and not playing this game. Yes. Thank you, Jacob. You're welcome. Jacob's, uh, David's the innocent one. I'm the naughty naughty. <laughs> That's uh, right. So, uh, I picked up Sunderbred El uh, Eldritch Edition. This is kind of a Metroid uh, style, uh, Metroidvania style game. Really, really fun. I'm definitely enjoying this. Uh, my good friend at Nindy Nation recommended it, and I was and I just fell in love. I'm like I'm grindy. Um, uh, Laurent is almost like foregone in a oh, way. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah? It's, it's really, really good. It's a, it's more melee action than it is like shooting, but it has that kind of feel, repetitious uh, feel to it. It's really, really good. I, I'm really enjoying it. Of course, of course, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, played a little bit of Shantae, the uh, Game Boy event, uh, uh, the Game Boy Events version. I think, or the GBA game that uh, Ray Forge just released on Switch. I'm um, playing more of that. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, long, too long. Saga Frontier, 
Dan could talk all about that. Dan now knows what I've been talking about. People now know what I've been talking about with that game, but I'm going to try to return it and work on that game. Um, I finished a game called When the Past Was Around, um, mm. and man, I, I'm telling you, the emotions of that gang. Like, me, David, and uh, Celeste, we just talked about Coffee Talk for Talk the Walk. And this game just hits, like, it almost hits that same kind of note. Um, but it's very emotional. It's, like, for people who are dealing with loss, it's a great game to play. Music is fantastic. Artwork is beautiful. Um, it only take you, I told around it only take you about an hour to beat. Um, but it might take you a little bit more if you're trying to find find out the puzzles and stuff. Um, last but not least, I played uh, R-Type Final 2, the demo. Um, this is a game from our type uh, people who love that kind of uh, shoot 'em up uh, classic game. Really fun demo. Uh, I did pre-order the physical version. I had to get it from Amazon, and I'm gonna groan about that. But that's the only way that I can get it physically. Um, uh, but pretty much that's it. I did pick up like uh, another game, 99 Vitas and Monkey Barrels and the Dark Side Detective. But I'll talk about that another day. But that's pretty much what I'm playing with Power. All right. Uh, all those games, huh? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean just, just those? Yes. <laughs> and, 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 I, and, I, and I'm running through Contra, uh, I mean, Super C, trying to get that 100% without dying. <laughs> Man. Um, all right. So I have played less games than Ed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, Ed, you were right. I will bow down to you. I had good very good memories of saga frontier back in the playstation days and man do i wish they just stayed there because now i'm like so sour this game is so bad you guys <laughs> like <laughs> it is just so bad like okay let's start with the leveling up it's it's like final fantasy 2 everybody hates final fantasy 2 because the way you level up the way to gain strength is to attack more the way to use to get better magic is to use magic the way to grow defense is to get hit it's very stupid and then <laughs> like the story of there's eight different characters you can choose a different character um the story of this character lasts about a paragraph so there's literally no depth to the character until from the beginning of the playthrough till the end and it's just a bunch of side quests in between where you can miss characters and the enemies are so strong that they scale up towards your main character so if you pick up low-leveled characters after they don't scale towards the enemy so that's also very frustrating. <laughs> like, I actually don't see any redeeming qualities in this game. Oh. <laughs> it's really, wow. except the, I actually kind of like the artwork, though. It reminded me of Tomba. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that game. I love Tomba. I love so Tomba. I wish those games would come back. Um, so, anyway, I can't talk about Saga Frontier anymore. I'll get a little upset. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I started playing a nice game called Child of Light. Uh, this is David's challenge to me for 2021. It's so, it's so good. Mm -hmm. it's okay, so, good. so I was a little bored with it for a while. I don't love Metroidvania games because I don't like mm. the bad backtracking and exploring aspect of it. And this is like a JRPG uh, Metroidvania game mashup. Mm -hmm. um, I just got to kind of a cool plot twist, though, towards the end. I'm on Chapter 8, and like now I'm just kind of all in, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. 
So um, I'm really enjoying that game, and I uh, I'm just playing a lot of Picross as well. <laughs> so, Jim, yeah, what do you think of the battle system in that? The battle system's okay. Um, I there's there's nothing too too special about it, um, but you know there's there's enough to keep me hooked. I really do like turn-based battle systems. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's a game geared towards me. I wish there was a little bit more towards the battle system, a little more depth, like, you know, um, Octopath Traveler had like weaknesses that you break bravely default has a brave and default system. I think every kind of newer turn-based RPG could use a little bit of a gimmick. Um, so you know, that's where I'm at. And, uh, yeah, just pick cross playing a lot of pick cross as well. So, um, yeah, that's playing with power. So that's it for the show, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in and we're going to get into some plugs before we go. Ed, where can we find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at that retro code. You can check out talk the walk here on Bosch Bush games and more podcasts here. Uh, you can check optional opinion on SoundCloud, iTunes, and other podcast apps and check out world one one podcast at podbean.com. I will be doing some more optional opinions, uh, episode soon. And also check out Arsenal X here on Bosch Bush games. Laurent, how about you? Uh, Social media, you can find me, Exodus803, E-X-O-D-U-S-803. <clears throat> also, uh, Tuesday nights on twitch.tv slash Exodus803. Come hang out with us 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Crossroads PlayStation Podcast Show for Boss Rush Games. And then, not this week, but usually every other every other Wednesday after that, <laughs> uh, Jacob and I hold it down on the same channel for Hunters for Hire, the Monster Hunter Podcast. And guys like you got to check it out because uh, we're always bringing the pro tips and we're also bringing you strategies for how to fight the monsters of the week which when we come back it's camellius the monster of the week <laughs> yes <laughs> david what about you you can find me at david lasby on twitter that's l-a-s-b-y for lasby at david lasby and then also uh, we have exciting stuff going on at bossrushgames.com so come check out our articles we also have been adding folks to our writing team and if you're passionate about writing and you love games of course you do you're listening uh, we would like to hear from you we want to add you to our writing team so you can reach out either to me directly on twitter or you can email us at opportunities at brg at gmail.com. That's opportunities, at brg at gmail.com. Jacob, how about you? You can find me everywhere on the internet at Galatrad, G-A-L-U-T-R-A-D. I always forget how to spell my own name. Um, <laughs> and then, I, like I mentioned, I hope to be bringing starting my very first YouTube series with The Longing. Going to be doing a daily kind of 10-minute check-in of of that game just to see just to play just to that's gonna be awesome catalog yes. my 400 mm -hmm. days before the king <laughs> wakes up um but other than that just streaming on twitch and then on twitter what about you dan <laughs> and then you can find me on twitter at dcdm99 uh nothing really else than that so that's it for today's show everybody come to bossrushgames.com Play games, be better. See you next time. Bye, everybody. Woohoo! Bye. Bye.